Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we're joined by Dr. Marsha Maluli. She is from Chicago Cornea, and she's going to be talking to us about multifocal IOLs and how patients are glad they had cataracts so they could finally get good vision on the OI show. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we're joined by Dr. Marshall Maluli, and it is a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Good. Marsha practices in uh, the Chicago area, correct? And uh, you work at a, uh, a, a cornea practice. You work with ophthalmologists and optometrists, and uh, you've got a, a group. Tell us a little bit about your practice. Yeah. So Chicago Cornea Consultants is the name of the practice. We have six ophthalmologists, four of which are corneal specialists, and then two general ophthalmologists. And then I'm one of three of the optometrists. So I'm optometric director there at the office. And Very cool. What, what was your journey into optometry? It's a three. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Three. No, locations. it's okay. We have three locations. So we're kind of all around the Chicagoland area. So one's downtown yeah. and then one's in a Northern suburb and then one in a uh, Northwest suburb. Do you and work at all of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Busy, busy. So what was your journey into optometry? Did you do residency? Like, what was that like? So I got interested in eyes at a really young age. So I job shadowed my optometrist when I was in high school and then pre-optometry club in college. And then even before I got accepted into optometry school, I knew I wanted to do a residency because I have an interest in teaching. So I'll never forget um, one of the doctors interviewing me for optometry school said, well, you're going to need to do a residency. (laughs) So I did a residency in cornea and contact lens uh, after graduating. And now uh, 18 years later, uh, I've been at Chicago Cornea. Yeah. Did you go right to Chicago Cornea or did you go somewhere in between? I was at one other office for about 10 to 11 months before mm-hmm. the opportunity presented itself. Mm-hmm. What was attractive about Chicago Cornea that led you and has stuck you there? So the the environment there is one of I would call fun, you know, based off of <laughs> what I like. The ophthalmologists and the cornea specialists, they are constantly, um, we're collaborating on patients who have interesting conditions and who really can benefit from the specialty contact lens services that I can provide. So it's just, it's really a great group of people. We have mutual respect on both sides of our talents and what we bring to the table. And so it's just, I've really enjoyed it there. Um, What attracted me there was the fact that it was a faster paced practice. And um, I like that mean, well, so the practice that I was initially at after residency was building and I called it um, a full-time part-time job because I really wasn't seeing many patients. And I almost felt like some of the skills I learned in residency, I was almost, they were becoming more dull because I wasn't getting a chance to continue to um, grow and build upon them. And so when I went to Chicago Cornea, it allowed me a chance to really use all of those tools and then um, build upon them. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, so you do all sorts of contact lens fitting. I think that I saw uh, as as we've known each other over the years that you've gone on to get all these fancy letters after your name, and you keep doing that. Like like one of more, more prestigious is you're a diplomate in the accordion contact lens section of the academy, and that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, that was not an easy thing, especially having two children as you're trying to do it. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, yeah, it's um, that was that was a journey that I really wanted to take. And I'm so proud of myself for being able to complete my diplomate. And um, I've been just so happy that I did that. Yeah, it's a pretty select crew and a pretty fantastic group. And then you also have a scleral lens uh, fellowship and uh, obviously fellowship in the academy. And why do you keep doing these extra things? You graduated, you did residency, you've been in practice a long time. What is uh, what is the impetus for all this torture? <laughs> I like to be a master at my craft. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not a slacker, never have been. Um, uh-huh. But I think that what's cool about our profession, Dave, is that it's constantly learning and growing, technologies change. And I think that we want to grow personally and within our own profession and craft as technology and um you know, different things change. We want to evolve with it. And Mm -hmm. I want to help my patients as much as possible. And then also give back to the profession, whether it be lecturing or educating upcoming optometrists who are going through optometry school. I just think that that's really important. And the say being a diplomate, it's the largest section in the academy. It's the oldest section in the academy. And we have a unified, um, desire to really uh, build upon uh, the education that we've had and continue to um, really kind of excel at that specialty and to surround yourself with those types of people and to have um, to be able to collaborate and to share ideas. And it's been really wonderful. Yeah. So in your practice, you guys do just cornea or do you do other sorts of uh, anterior segment uh, procedures as well, uh, surgeries and so forth? Yeah, we have a large variety of procedures that we do. So anything from cataract surgery that would involve, you know, MIGs to other, you know, types of combination procedures with corneal transplants to tritium removals, uh, PTK, LASIK, PRK, cross-linking. Um, so really all anterior segment procedures, phacic uh, mm-hmm. IOLs, um, we, we do them all at the office. And I'm so a big one, so uh, do, do most of the, the patients that come in for surgery, are they seeing you for you know primary eye care or is the vast majority being referred into your clinic from referring doctors? So vast majority are being referred in. We we definitely have a large referral network mm-hmm. coming into our office. And we do have primary care patients that we see. Um, but in terms of our surgery patients, a vast majority are referred in. 
So I, I don't do cataract surgery, obviously in my office, we, we don't have an ophthalmologist at our practice. And so we refer all of our patients out and, you know, working with different surgeons, uh, that are friends and, and optometrists like yourself around the country, I, uh, I always want to know, like, what is it that I can do better in my practice to help serve my surgical patients before they come in and see you? Like, what are the things that you always want to help that clinician do better for their patients before they end up seeing you in your practice, particularly for, let's say, cataract surgery? So this is a great question. I think that optometrists are uniquely uh, in a unique situation um, to really educate our patients. We know their visual systems best. So we are in a unique position to make recommendations when we're sending them for cataract surgery in terms of what type of implant would be best, how to leave them refractively after surgery, whether it be a multifocal IOL or um, monovision or leaving them nearsighted. Maybe we want to talk to them about a toric implant to correct their astigmatism. So I think that we really can help guide our patients and then also the referring surgeons on how, what we think would give the best outcome to our patients. So Marsha, in 2005, when I was doing my residency, I went to a SECO conference and there was, um, there, there was uh, some presentations being done on multifocal IOLs. And it continued to be that the vast majority of the presentation was to talk to your patient about what the multifocal IOLs were not going to be able to do for them and what they were going to do to affect their distance vision. So for the last 15 years, I've just been telling my patients of how multifocal IOLs are, you know, really going to give them this problem, this problem, and this problem. But my father-in-law recently had uh, surgery and he's pretty delighted with his multifocal IOLs. And so maybe I need to readdress my perception of these. What should we be telling our patients about multifocal IOLs? Because maybe 2005 information is not the best data to be relying on. So, would you agree? <laughs> I would. I would definitely agree. Uh, so, I mean, IOLs from 2005 are definitely not what we have available today. And even in the last three, four years, the different multifocal uh, implants that have come out, I mean, they're just really amazing in terms of what they can do with minimizing you were probably told about haloing and starbursting and all of those sorts of things. And then sometimes there were gaps in intermediate vision. You would only get maybe far away and up close vision with the multifocal. So, and also astigmatism, we can correct astigmatism now with the, um, with the multifocal toric IOL. So the ability to be able to seamlessly function uh, at all distances and really minimize those glare and halos that traditional, I guess, early generation IOLs had, um, it's really come a long, long way. But I think that you have to match the patient expectations and also in general, just like with multifocal contact lenses, I'm not going to fit it. I'm not going to recommend a truck driver who drives all night to get a multifocal IOL. Um, but I would say the patients who end up having them, like your, you said, your father-in-law, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, they, they have really great outcomes. 
So uh, what do I need to tell them they're going to experience? Because, you know, no longer starbursts, halos? I tell them that they're going to notice it, but vast majority of people, if I ask them if it prohibits them from feeling like they can comfortably and safely drive at night, um, they say no. They're like, yeah, I notice them. You mentioned that I would notice them, but they're less than what I noticed when I had my cataracts Mm -hmm. and it doesn't prevent me from feeling comfortable driving at night. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should talk about what are the good things that these patients experience? Like, you know, we, we still tell them that you may need glasses for certain activities, but what do the vast majority of patients that you experience with multifocal IOLs, what are they telling you is the good, good part about it? I didn't know I had to develop cataracts to finally see well. That <laughs> is awesome. what I normally hear. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's pretty good. Pretty good uh, testimonial that your patients have given you. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, maybe we need to readdress that and uh, think more. So, so what uh, what information do I need to talk to my patients about before I send them to you for surgery with regards to multifocal IOLs? What's my role and what's your role? So, I think that um, the big thing to talk about the patients would be: Do they have any interest in being glasses free? So, if a patient tells you. I like wearing glasses, then I'm not going to recommend a multifocal IOL to them. They're really not going to get any perceived benefit from that. Um, or if you have someone who tells you that, you know, I, uh, I like reading without glasses and maybe they have specific near demands, like they like to bead or do other things that are really fine, intricate, near activities. And they want to be able to do those glasses free and they don't care about wearing glasses for distance. They've been nearsighted all their life. Then, you know, I'm, I would say that those are patients that aren't the best for multifocal implants. Um, But I, I definitely tell patients to be patient. Neuroadaptation is a big thing. So you need to wait a couple months before your final vision um, has settled in to allow that neuroadaptation to take place. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, when I see patients at one month after surgery, and especially once they have both eyes done, because there's a synergy that takes place, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't recommend a multifocal just in one eye. I think that the eyes have to work well together synergistically to get the best effect from a multifocal IOL. Um, Yeah. I tell them once both eyes are done that, um, the vast majority are, are very, very pleased, but you just need to be patient. What's the, uh, what's the typical neuro adaptation time period? Did you say two so to four weeks? Eyes, after both eyes are done, I would say at that one month visit for the most part, um, they're doing well, but it mm-hmm. could take up to three months, but that was again, more with the previous technology. Uh, I think that people it's, it's more seamless now with the newer technology, extended depth of focus lenses and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. Maybe we need to, uh, be thinking about making stronger recommendations to our patients. We appreciate your perspectives on this and, uh, thank you for helping to push our profession further. We really appreciate it. 
Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for this episode. We look forward to future episodes. Make sure to like and subscribe so you too can hear them and uh, be up to date on all that's happening on the OI show. 